Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. From NBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Ahoy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 27, Becky's Week. This week, we heard Javi's fourth and final police interview. Bob followed that up by giving us all of Becky's phone interactions for the week leading up to her death. I'm also extremely proud to say we have another big update, this time in our Season 2 case. Bob, Janet, and I have a lot to discuss, as well as your listener questions, right after this break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back and we have some very exciting news. We've had just this is a, the second great thing that has happened in as many weeks. Uh, Bob, please tell us, give us an update on a certain Kenny Snow, please. Well, uh, for those of you that follow me on social media, you would have seen that yesterday I got a call from a random number in Ohio. And uh, I generally don't answer calls that I don't know the number, but it was from Ohio and I happen to have ordered <laughs> Some quail eggs from Ohio. So, so I, I'm sorry. I can't stop smiling today because of this call. It made me so happy. So I answer the phone and uh, thinking that it's just some you know quail farm. And I'm like, uh, hello, this is Bob. And, and on the other end, I hear, Bob, this is Kenny Snow. I was like, what, what? Completely baffled by the whole thing. Kenny called me from his cell phone from home in Ohio. And he was calling to thank me because... He just got out, and apparently he went. To, for those of you that listen to this to season two, it's this is so and Kenny sounds so good. I, I but I was it was I was so happy to talk to him because for those of you that listen to season two, you know it got tricky because you know we found somebody that we thought could free Kenny, and then that person had a stroke and they passed away, and then we took Ed's case at Kenny's request. But then because Kenny was a witness for Ed's case, IPTX kind of made me choose which way to go, so I wasn't able to really talk to Kenny. We set him up with a free lawyer. Uh, one of our listeners took over his case for free, and I haven't heard from him since then. There hasn't been anything coming up. Well, he said that he was going to his parole. He's been to many parole hearings, and he went to his parole hearing not expecting to go home because he still is maintaining his, his innocence. And he said at the parole hearing, one of the the, the parole people or something, he didn't really explain how, how this went down, 
they had printed out transcripts from the Truth and Justice podcast and were reading them to the other parole board members. <sighs> and then they decided to send him home. And they stamped it, approved his parole, and he's home. And they let him go back to Ohio where he's from. They didn't even make him stay in Texas. So he's I, out. I, oh, we, I didn't know that it was the transcripts. That's new information, right? Even from social media. No? Because I saw the yeah. Facebook post, but that's huge. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing, and like I said, he sounded so good. And it 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 speaks volumes to the. I love. Listen, you guys know. For those of you that are like on Patreon, you know that I, I I'm like people on the internet are really starting to drive me a little nuts lately. Uh, but it felt so good to know, like like what we're doing, man. And and I'm not saying that like we went in and and are fully responsible for Kenny getting it out, getting out. But it's the thing they were reading yeah. is something. That volunteers from this podcast put together, typed out, and put them on our and the, and then uh, more volunteers that the, the manage our website put them on the website, and that's what gave them access to it. We're able to print them out, and like it's it's as I, I mentioned when when Anon got out, like like I had nothing really to do with what he got out, but if, but if if it was a, if I can use the analogy of a football game, like we're on the field, like even if we're not carrying the ball, we're on the field somewhere, and we're part of this. You're part of this. The people that are helping and volunteering and doing things, every single little thing matters. And and Kenny Snow is freaking home now. And he was so happy and he sounded amazing. He, he said that he got off. He got home and he called his Aunt Leola, which if you went way back to the beginning of season two, uh, when I called Aunt Leola in Florida and we and we talked about Kenny's case. He said he called her, he told her what happened, and he just told her he was so thankful for me and our audience. And she said, well, you, you, here's Bob's cell phone number. You should call Bob. And so he was just calling me to, to tell me thank you. He didn't he didn't ask for anything. He didn't want anything. He just wanted to tell me that he's doing good. He's home. He's already working. You're making me cry, Janet. Oh, <laughs> no, I haven't cried cry. yet. I haven't cried yet for for oh, here it comes. for Kenny because it was here it was it, comes. it was such a shock and he just sounded so good it was just like smiles from ear to ear man I love seeing this out of you Bob oh no <laughs> it's so good because you know for anybody who was listening which is most of us like it was really hard for you to talk about Kenny for a while because you felt like you abandoned him in a sense like you were very open right. about that you're like there's only so much I can do it doesn't look great um for him because his case is complicated and we just kind of had to like wish him all the best and hope for the best and so the fact yeah. that it's come all the way back around again and that the podcast was part of that parole hearing is massive i mean it's it's just wonderful news yeah, it, it it it's amazing. And um, somebody asked in the chat, as I was about to say, as a time of this recording, I have not put it together yet. By the time you hear this Friday, I will have it put together. But yes, I would like to put together a GoFundMe to help Kenny yes. transition back. And he didn't ask. He did, I wanted. I want everybody to understand. He did not ask for a thing. He was calling. He's. I mean, he Kenny Kenny was pretty sure we spoke for six minutes. He made sure he told me that he loved me. And that he appreciates me and all of you, and just wanted to thank me. And then told me that he's, you know, he's looking for a full time job, but he's already working. He's working with like some temp services, doing construction and stuff. And he's with his wife and his family. His son picked him up in prison, uh, and he stayed with him for a few days before he went up to Ohio. Uh, he's 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 doing amazing, and and you all are a huge part of that, uh, Texas. Letting people off on parole while they still maintain their innocence 
is not something that happens, and now it's happened twice for two of our cases. Um, and just sitting back and thinking that now season one and both people from season two are all home. Uh, I was I I reached out to Allison Clayton to tell her about it, it the Innocence Project, and she let me know because I I said, well, you know, let's go, let's go, Jesse, let's go. What's next? She said, with Jesse's case, they're working on. They just got approval. Sounds like to do MBAC testing, um, some DNA testing. So so they are actively. They have Troy's recantation now. Now the CIU is doing DNA testing. I'm I'm confident Jesse's coming home. Season four and five, George is already home. Season five, the West Memphis three. And next comes Sandy, and I had stuff from, and I didn't even think about it when I put the when I posted the screenshots yesterday of my cell phone call because I in the Instagram post I put that I had to call from Kenny Snow, and a few people asked, well, Liz Rose is on there too. There's stuff going on in Sandy's case um, that 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 hopefully we'll share. I'll be able to share soon, but um, so know this too. Like there's like all these cases are still always going. Every every season we get to, I've got more on my plate that's going on, and I don't think about it much. But like yesterday. I talked to people connected to four cases yesterday, yeah. um, and it's just it's it's amazing. But I do want to put together a goal. I'm just going to put up a GoFundMe and put a goal of five thousand. We'll see where we can get. But please uh, go to all of, any of our social medias uh, on Friday when you hear this. They'll be up. If everybody can just donate a couple bucks, it will really make a huge difference. Um, you know, because Kenny Kenny told me that he's you know he's working. He's trying to get enough to get himself a car. Um, and it, it, it would just be, it, it's, it's tough after 20, over 20 years in prison to, uh, transition back in the world. He was laughing, telling me how he was trying to figure out these phones. So he just said, man, when I was, when I went in, all we had was regular phones. And now, <laughs> now we got phones and got all this stuff on. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kenny <sighs> Snow, the blizzard. So is it's home. snowing everybody. There's a bunch of questions in the YouTube live right now asking if Ed knows. He doesn't. And, uh, well, he might because. He, I know Kim for sure is in the um, in the the Facebook group, so they might have seen it. But again, you know, like like Janet had mentioned, like that's a tricky situation because there's so Kenny played a role in Ed's conviction, and that's something that Ed's had to deal with and live mm-hmm. with and think about for all the all these years. Then Kenny played a massive role in Ed getting out of prison. Oh, which, which is huge. And for us, like we can sit on the outside and say, I think those balance and, and, and I understand what was happening with Kenny. Then I understand the pressures and the manipulations that are put on him and, and other people that are in similar situations. Yes. Um, and I can look at it and say, so he did that, but then <clears> he, he did his best to make good on it and told me that he lied in Ed's case, told me to look into Ed's case and told me that he wanted me to do anything to help get Ed out of prison, which, you know, again, who's on the field, you know, you know, Roger Nichols, the attorney, is who finally made it so that that Ed walked out of prison. But Roger's Roger was was set up by Allison with the IPTX. IPTX was involved because I, I pitched the case to IPTX and convinced them to take it after they had turned it down. I knew about the case because of Kenny Snow. It all, you know, it all connects. All these things connect. Yeah. And they and they take time. So for me on the outside, I'm able to to see I understand the position Kenny was in. It is a terrible thing he did, but goddamn it, he did his best to make it right when he could and it resulted in Ed going home. But for And he did Ed, not do it in a vacuum. He did not do it in a vacuum. There are also questions right. of people about people saying 
how like why can't we hold people in law enforcement accountable for putting that kind of pressure on for false testimony and stuff exactly exactly um but as far as like ed you know i i don't know that ed will want to have a conversation about kenny being home i'm not maybe he will i don't know but i don't think i'm going to breach the conversation i'm sure he knows kim's on the page kim listens um so he'll know and if he wants to talk about it ed will call me yeah Oh, my gosh. Well, that is huge. Very exciting. Can't wait to donate. Awesome. Um, anything else before we get into this most recent Becky's Week episode? Um, I don't think we have any other housekeeping stuff. I'll be at Obsessed Fest this week. Um, I'm, today's Wednesday. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. I'm super excited about it. I hope a bunch of you are going to be there. I got my itinerary. And it just... This sounds like a fun, fun true crime. I've got some serious stuff and some fun stuff. I'm super jealous. I know. I'm yeah. super jealous too. Yeah. Oh, so like my itinerary, the, there's like the opening ceremony Friday, followed by on the main stage, the true crime mega panel that I'm a part with. And I, and I think I'm up there with uh, Robbie Ashaudry, the Generation Y guys, I think Payne Lindsay, Maggie Freeling. I don't even know. A huge group is going to be up there, be probably a more serious conversation. After that, I play True Crime Family Feud, uh, which sounds like a blast. Uh, then I think I'm going to the karaoke. I don't know if I'm singing in the karaoke thing, but I'm going to a karaoke thing. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, I get up in the morning and I play True Crime Jeopardy, uh, which would be fun. And then I have a West Memphis 3 panel with myself, Jillian Pensavalli, and Damian Eccles, uh, which will be, again, serious and fun. And then uh, – or serious and super interesting. And then uh, after that is the True Crime Comedy Hour. Uh, so that I'll be <laughs> performing at. So, uh, and then Sunday it all wraps up with a drag brunch, which is going to be a blast. Which is the main reason Becky wanted to go because it sounds like Love fun. It. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome weekend. So hopefully, I'll see a lot of you guys there. And uh, other than that, yeah, I don't think we have any other housekeeping. I do, I do want to point out uh, those of you that were in the pre-show and, and certainly the patrons know uh, that I have a new toy that I'm playing with, but. Uh, uh, the, the patrons have funded, we had, we've been having a ton of technical difficulties with our sound mixer and disconnections and issues. Um, and so they funded, we got a new mixer, uh, that we're using. So I just want to point that out. So if things sound different, better, or worse, as far as the voice this is a brand new piece of equipment. So when Kelly gets this episode to edit, I'm not going to, my, we're not going to sound the same to her as we normally did because everything's new. So, uh, just give us a little grace. there trying to work through those kinks. But it it has it has some cool some cool features that I might use later on throughout the episode, oh depending on the tone. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and we have our first official request from Zach to not use those. Yes. I second please, that emotion. Please don't. Uh, let's start out with um, this conversation that you played for us between Javi and Leclerc, um, mm-hmm. in which you know he continues to reiterate he doesn't want to take the polygraph. Um, Zach, what did you think about that? I mean, he really has his line. He's saying it's almost like he's pleading the fifth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear it is is in my head of what I would be saying to him, LeClaire, if I was Javi. Uh-huh. And that's maybe do your fucking job. Yeah. You're a detective. Try detecting. Yeah. He you says, know. well, what am I going to do to clear you? What am I going to do to clear yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Maybe do your fucking job, man. Like, that's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And by pleading and I, the fifth, by the way, I just quickly say, I'm not saying that he's like saying he's guilty and he's pleading the fifth. I'm saying you when you hear people who have been told by their attorneys mm-hmm. to plead the fifth, that is right. all they yeah, will they say. Their answer will be in order to da, 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 da. And it feels like he's got it in his mind, like, which I totally respect, the idea that his mom or his dad is like, just say, I'm not going to take the polygraph. Mm-hmm. Even if that's all right. you say over and over, just make it clear that he knows so he stops bothering you about it. And so Javi is like, I'm not going to take that polygraph. And you hear him say it over and over and over again, almost mm-hmm. like it's a mantra until finally, you know, he's he, it's Leclerc acknowledges like, OK, I I'm accepting that you're not going to do that. You know, no, 100 percent. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, I think we see that as he was he's a kid. You know what I mean? And they ask him to take a polygraph and he's a kid. He doesn't know any better. He says, yeah, I'll take a polygraph. Fine. Whatever we got to do. And then he's advised by his parents who who know the legal system. They tell him not to do it. So, I mean, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. He's doing what he should have been doing from the beginning, really. Yeah. That's saying no. Well, and he was, you could tell that he was emboldened going in there, which to be yeah, between his dad and his mom, I think they said, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take his shit. You just keep saying, I'm not going to take that polygraph. And, yeah. and, yes. and, the, and about the 20th time in, I, he's, he's like, you keep asking me. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm not going to take that polygraph. I'm not going to take that polygraph over and yeah. over again. The, there was something I pulled out of there that I, I'm curious of is I wonder if Javier Sr. and Leclerc have an issue, like if they don't like each other. Because at some mm-hmm. point, Leclerc asks him, he says, what else does your dad tell you? Right. Like, it's very blunt. It's very oh, yeah. like, like, I wonder if there's a bad working relationship there or just a bad relationship there. I wondered that too, but the thing is, I think that it could have been. I don't think that it even had to be a pre-existing one. Okay, I'm, you know what I mean? Because I'm and maybe Leclerc just vaguely knows of this guy, mm-hmm. has worked with him a bit on cases, but in this case, he's trying to get something done, and Hobby Senior is is running interference and is pissing him off. Um, but you, I definitely got that same vibe. He wasn't yeah. happy about it, whether it was pre-existing or if it was new to this situation. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah G says、um, if law enforcement were disallowed from lying about the results of polygraphs, and I see some,、uh, in the YouTube we also have some talk about that. This idea of well, part of what can happen is that you take a polygraph and then the police just lie to you anyway and tell you that you failed it. So Sarah、right. says, you know, if they couldn't do that, do you think that people would be less pressured? Do you think that law enforcement would be less eager to push people into it if it was like, by the way, you have to be honest about whatever the results are whenever you have anyone take. It.、Um, she says, if all Leclerc truly wanted to do was to eliminate Javi as a suspect, would he have gotten so emotionally coercive? Do his tactics point to his intent? And Grace, and I know you had a similar comment. I thought that was really interesting. This idea of, you know, does his obsession with getting people to take the polygraph, or in particular Javi, because we haven't heard him pressure anyone except Javi and Jacob, does that suggest that he really thinks he's going to get something out of it, or does he really just want to eliminate him, or do we know and doesn't matter? The thing is, the polygraphs are a no-win situation for a suspect or defendant because that's what they always tell you: take a polygraph so we can clear you. What happens is, is if you fail the polygraph, they use that, even though it's not admissible in court. It's admissible to the DA to get your warrant and the judge to get a warrant for arrest as a person of interest or a suspect. But then, if you pass the polygraph test, we've seen tons of cases where people took a polygraph. Jamie Snow takes a polygraph, passes it, and they still keep going. They don't clear them. It's, they're only looking for one thing. Well, also,、um, I think don't some officers someone passes a polygraph and it doesn't matter if all the evidence points to that person. They just go, "Well, you passed a polygraph, and you can beat a polygraph." So in that case, it also is sort of a lose situation、yeah. for the victim. You know? Yeah, it, it's it's. I wouldn't suggest anybody ever take one、uh, because、uh, again, it's there's no way where you take the polygraph and you're like,、oh, "I passed polygraph, so now I'm done." It doesn't matter. They're not going to clear you. Um, and yeah, I wonder if the intent because I think as an investigative tool, that you could you there certainly could be a strategy there that's like, well, I'll get him to take a polygraph. All I got to do is get him to take it. Doesn't matter if he passes or fails it, because if even if he passes it, I can tell him he fails it and get a reaction off of them, which is、right. you know from us from our side, you know, I've always said like that's terrible. You shouldn't do that. I long time ago we had a conversation about whether police should be able to lie to def, to def,、uh, suspects. And I've always, you know, I, I land on no, because because of I've seen so many、um, false confessions, everything that come of it. But I also know it. It's a, certainly a good way to get to manipulate someone into telling the truth. The problem is, it's also a way to get to manipulate someone into giving you a story because they think that's what you want to hear. I mean, you know, to be able to say like, "Dude, you might as well come clean. You failed the polygraph. We know you did it." Someone who's guilty then might be like, ah, fuck, okay, you know, and they they finally come through with it. But so there there certainly could be that intent there, where he's like, all I need him to do is take it, and then from there I can use it to manipulate him.、Um, I don't know, but I know that that he wasn't thrilled that Javier wasn't going to do it either way, and、yeah. and. And the clear, oh, he just he grosses me out. Well, now listen before you before you say that stuff like he grosses me out. Just know that there are a couple of people. You know, we saw post a、uh, post on the Facebook page. People who think you were being a little too hard on Leclerc.、Mm-hmm. Um, that you、yep. are, you know, you think he's that he's that the, the argument would be, you know, he needs to do whatever it takes to find out who killed these three people. And part of that is,、sure. yeah, maybe it is lying or maybe it is pressuring people, and you know that it is suspicious when someone doesn't take a polygraph. I don't mind the pressure. I don't like the tactics, right? So, like I've seen those, and yeah, I, I hear you, and I and I and I see the point. But like they're ter- and you know, Doctor Shiloh is in our chat here, and she can. I'm, I'm sure she can speak to this. But like these are not good. Ta- like just keep pushing, going. Like 
what don't you like your friend don't you want to help your friend yeah like what like that's those are you know you you build rapport you try to develop a trusting relationship you like there's there's there are tactics to continue to put pressure on somebody to get something it's the fact that he acts like like a, a sixth grader when he doesn't get his way and just starts throwing around insults and innuendo like that that I don't like. Right. It's not the fact that he's continuing like, like yeah, sure, keep trying to get the polygraph, but that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Just going like, "Oh, you don't want to do the polygraph, so that must mean that you hate Becky." Like, what do you think he's six? Like he's not going to be able to figure out see through that bullshit. Right. That's my issue. It's not the pressure, it's the tactic. Yeah. And I would say too that that's not you having an opinion about the outcome of the case or the suspects in the case. It's not no. that you're agreeing or disagreeing with anything Leclerc might have hypothesized himself. You're not you're not using that to point the case in any direction. You just don't like his tactics and I want to make that oh, yeah. clear just based and, on And some, Le- you know, Leclerc didn't solve this case. It was solved 10 years later. Well, it was right. closed. It was quote unquote ten year- solved, yeah. Yeah, 10 years later by a whole different group of detectives. I just I don't like it's frustrating for me because I think we could have gotten so much information from so many suspects if he was better at his job. Right. Uh, and Dr. Shiloh did just chime in the chat said it's, it's just not professional at all. Yeah. If he if he was doing his job properly, he's so caught up in what seems to be these emotional responses to things like 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 he's genuinely personally pissed that they're not doing whatever he wants them to do that he's missing out on opportunities to to draw out more information. He's missing out on follow-up questions that should be asked or details that were given that he missed because and I think it's because he's just not doing his job properly. Right. Um but it feels like he's he's honestly like preying on weak. Like he's when he uh-huh. goes to Javier, he's pushing Javier. He's only pushing certain people. You know, when right. Bonnie when Bonnie came at him, he was had his tail between his legs. Yeah. Like I I feel like he's only pressuring the people that he feels he can turn. Yeah, like a bully. Right. Mm-hmm. That, but I, you know, you pointed it out before you played the interview. But that information that we get from Javi, where he very clearly says she was supposed to be at work at eleven, and I called her at eleven, and that's why, and that's why we have that call at that time. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there would be more. There probably was in the Facebook, but just not in the follow up. More kind of like, wait, this is that's big. That's this is a huge yeah. deal. How it fits in with the I forgot my shirt call is questions still people have. Um, mm-hmm. Even, you know, whether that's a real memory, if it helps us in any way, knowing that he made that call, knowing that that really does sound like she was supposed to be at work at 11. Um, What do you think about that? I think that if he's right, and I think he is, I mean, that's a pretty specific, like he said, when he says, I called her at 11 because that's when she was supposed to start work. And we can see in the call records, it was like 1102 or something he called. It seems like that's pretty solid that, that she was probably supposed to be there at 11. Um, and I think that eliminates the, I forgot my shirt call because Becky was dead Yeah. by 945. It's too early, right? So she wasn't like running late. So right. if she was supposed to be there at 11 and, the, oh, shit, I'm going to be late because I got to go back up and get my shirt, you would expect that call at 10, between 10 and maybe 10 and 1030 or somewhere around right. there. Um so yeah, I think because we've we've the big question we've had a lot of reasons not to think the 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 forgot my shirt call didn't happen, um, but there was always still that question because we found when we got the home phone records that all the calls aren't on there because we see calls from Becky's home phone to other people's cell phones that aren't on the home phone records, so like we know they happen. We know like she called Robert because right. it's on his log. But it's not on there. So it's like a call to Denny's could have happened from home and we just 
don't see it. But an 11 o'clock start time to me with her being, you know, that with her being lit on fire, no, no earlier than 946 PM tells me that it didn't happen that night. Yeah, that's huge. So let's I I feel like there's it's almost cause for celebration because we have been so worried about that call and whether it happened. So that's that's a really big deal. So glad that you played that interview. Um, uh, This is a kind of side thing, but it does um, speak to the taking the lie detector test and all that kind of stuff. Natasha T says something you said on last week's uh, Friday follow up, which. I almost want you to play the harp, but don't. Last week on the Friday follow-up. Ron Friedley had his own private investigator. (laughs) And we're back uh, after listening to that clip of Bob, clearly Bob's voice, speaking about Ron Friedley. Uh, So to follow up on that, Natasha says, Ron Friedley, you mentioned him having a private investigator. If he hired one, surely he didn't have anything to do with a crime or else why hire a PI? Yeah, I mean, you can can speculate all kinds of things, right? That, you know, like, well, he could have done that. You know, I've seen those those conversations. Well, he could have done that to throw people off or he could have done that so he could point, you know, guide the the investigation in a different direction away from away from him. But, man, that's it's a stretch because it because the reason he gives for hiring it is all this time had passed and the police saw and made an arrest and he was pissed. Right. So he hires a PI. He put, he he. I think paid to have the billboards put up and stuff. Um, yeah, it, it would be it would be a weird scenario for him to have been involved in the. I'm not ruling him out. We haven't even really investigated right. him yet. Yeah, but right. I got to agree. That seems like it's awful pushing it up there. Yeah, that's pretty. Okay, uh, well. pre- it, it's it. You're getting into tinfoil hat territory at that yeah. point. I think. Okay. Well, I just wanted to get that out there. We'll tuck that away if we need to call it back when we're talking more about Ron. We can. Right. Um, how are you feeling about responses you got to this whole idea of getting texted by the number 15 and then Becky making the call afterwards? Um, what are you know, I've seen a lot of different theories. Um, have you had a chance to look at them? How are you feeling oh, yeah. about it? Uh, I think we got it licked. I think we got it figured out. Um, so the, a few people, somebody had put up a post that said, they used to around that time they would get their carrier would text them to tell them that they were running low on minutes and then they could call and reload the minutes which made sense mm-hmm. and then and they even found a number that ended in those four digits that was that looked like maybe it could have been something for that but the calls are too short like you know she calls her like a 15 second call um 20 second call 30 second call they're happening right away they're not always after a call but but then a few other people found that there is – we did trace the, the actual – the full number um, against this theory, and it seems to check out that it was a um, – we think that it was a voicemail notification that she would get a text message from 15 – because, I mean, this is – so, like, I – first thing I did, obviously, was Google search it, and you see if – and it, the first thing that comes up is codes to do email to text – and like for singular or, or, or whatever, the, the, it would be like 15 was like list, but it like that didn't make sense because if it was just someone texting her from an email address, why every time when they text her, then Becky calls the number and then they text her like it doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna didn't right. further research show that wasn't the case, but it sounds like the, so the, the phone number, I think, is a local voicemail number to call and check your voicemail. And I, so I think what it is and then looking through the pattern uh, she'll get like a voicemail and then she'll get a text from 15 
And then she calls that number to check her, which probably back then on her phone was a button that said voicemail. Mm. And she probably, you know, it was calling voicemail and it which goes to this, that number that ends in 80806, checks her voicemail and hangs up. I don't know. I still don't know. The How text that afterwards that? is weird. Yeah, I think that the text afterwards is super weird to me um, if it is a voicemail. And then also we have this like parallel theory that when Becky's home calls Becky's cell, sometimes that's her checking her voicemail or she's calling herself from her own cell from her cell, which would mean right. that was a different process and a different purpose. Well, we don't see I her. I thought the reloading minutes thing sounded the most re- reasonable so that you get the confirmation like you've added successfully blank minutes. But um, I understand that why number didn't seem to check that. out. When I say we yeah. have licked, I think I think we're narrowing. I should say we're narrowing it down. <laughs> we the don't have the voicemail lick. thing. I don't think we ever see Becky calling her cell phone from her cell phone. So okay. when she checks her voicemail, when she doesn't have her cell phone. Okay. She will call her like from the landline. She calls her cell phone, hits pound, punches in the code, and listens to it. When she is with her phone, she just hits. You know, like I said, I remember one of the fo- versions of phones I had. I was either the Nextel or Nokia or whatever. There was like, you know, it, it like on the screen it would say like check, check voicemail, and you'd hit it, and it would just call a number and check your voicemail. Um, but it was an actual phone number that it was calling to check the voicemail. So th- that's that's. What I'm guessing like is happening. Follow up text. It's like, yeah, what the is te- the text going to be like? You checked your voicemail. Good job. Like, what yeah. is that? Yeah, follow-up? I don't know what the what the follow up text would be. I really, mm-hmm. I really don't know. I didn't even like said, and I feel stupid for it. But I didn't. I had the full phone records. I didn't even catch the pattern because in the full records, when you add in Jacob and Javier sure. and Robert and Christian and Josh Ernie, we have his records too, and John and Vicky. All those numbers in there, it would. That it gets lost in there because you got like the text from 15, you see like four or five other calls, and then you see the call from her. And then, you know, a lot of times that because there's all these different people that are mixed in there. So, someone just put in here that the 15 could be an actual like signal. It comes through as a text, it turns the voicemail symbol on, and the second one could turn the voicemail symbol off. Oh, what? Listen, I don't know if that's right, but I'm going to go with it because I'm tired of thinking about it. Great. Um, so I'm come, let's That's go with that. That makes sense. If That's it's yeah, if it's just like a signal that it's sending to the phone and not an actual yeah. interesting text message. Wow, that's great. Oh, I love. But this it reads chat. as a text, great. maybe. Somebody yeah. said, uh, "Hang on." Somebody here says, "Backdoor cellular voicemail access number." These are numbers that may give you access to your local cellular voicemail system, sorted by state or numbers with the same cellular carrier. Okay, I don't know exactly what that means, but that's good food for food for thought. Uh, yeah. The bottom line is, I don't think it has. A, it's not a dealer. It's not it probably most likely like just. It's seem, not. Like, it's not because people because right. other people ask like, well, it could be like somebody she had saved in her contacts as number fifteen. Right. That's not. So if I have saved in my contact Janet, when Janet calls me on my cell phone records, it doesn't say Janet. It says your full ten digit phone number. Go ahead uh, and give it out. Why don't you go ahead and just read? Yeah, it's um, seven. Okay, great, great, great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh but yeah, so it wouldn't be that. It, so it's it's not a phone number. It is it is a code. Um I don't think it has to do with anything nefarious. It, it's something carrier related. Got it. Given Got the, it. the pattern, I think. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Um, a lot of questions about who the mysterious John is. Um, I know we don't mm-hmm. necessarily have an answer to that, or maybe we do. We do but... have an answer, but you don't get it till Sunday. Ooh, okay. Uh, because I've already written it into the script for Sunday, but yeah, we had, we had we had some pretty good listener sleuthing going on, a combination of listeners that uh, tracked that number down or track that person down. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, And then just some general questions from folks like Nicole and Debbie S. and Sarah, um, just wondering, again, with the phone records, what we have and like who who was all records we have, including John and Vicky's cells? Um, I know we were talking about cell phones way back and people are maybe like losing track of who we have, um, in part because like Jasmine, for example, heard this episode and thought that it sounded like you were sort of always assigning the home phone calls to Becky rather than couldn't it have just been Vicky calling Becky or John calling Becky. Um, so yeah. I think people are just kind of sorting through that, sifting through that information a little bit. Yeah. As far as the record, I mean, I just a minute ago read them off again, but it's, it's Jacob, Javier, Robert, Christian, Becky's cell phone, John and Vicky's cell phone, who they barely use their cell phones and Josh Ernie's cell phones. I think those, those are all the records we have. Plus the two days worth of the Friedley landline, which is just Saturday and Sunday. The only days it got, cause it costs 150 bucks a day. And I didn't think it was worthwhile to find out what was going on for the previous couple of days. Um, as far as the, so I don't just automatically assume that it's Becky from the landline. Uh, it, it it all depends on context. So like, if I can see that Becky is not at home, right? She's in the valley texting to and from people. She, her phone's active in a tower, and a call comes from the landline. Then I know that's not Becky. But it's also pretty easy to see when Becky is at home uh, because of the amount of f- phone use she has and who she's calling. So it would be like Becky's phone's in the valley. All of a sudden, her cell phone stops being used. And at the time that her cell phone stops being used, the landline is calling Jacob. It's calling mm-hmm. Javier. It's calling Robert. Then, yeah, those I attribute it. Now, could it be possible that mom or, mom or John grabbed the phone and called one of those people? Yeah. Also keep in mind, anytime you see the Friedley landline on those cell phone records for any time before Saturday, we only have the calls that appear on someone else's cell phone records because we don't have the landline records. Meaning if someone from the landline calls Jacob, we know about it because we have Jacob's cell phone records. If somebody from the landline calls, say, Claire, we don't have that because we don't have Claire's cell phone records or the landline records. So keep that in mind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I have a quick thought about a Thursday morning call that you you mentioned and kind of talked about. Okay. Which is the call that we believe maybe Becky left her phone in Sky Valley. Uh-huh. And, a lot and of Sky Valley kind of, questions. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, I, I kind of have to think that whoever picked that phone up hit the, like, she probably had home 
in her phone, mm-hmm. which is why we see it call home. Yeah. And then we don't hear anything about it. And then you you asked, well, our phones locked then. Phones weren't locked then. Okay. You could lock a keypad, which was just to like prevent butt dialing at that point. But right. it was you you could unlock it very I mean it was literally like hold the pound button for two seconds and it would unlock. Right, right, right. So the first iPhone didn't come out until two thousand seven. And that's yeah. when the security measures came in. Was with okay. that first iPhone. So that's when you could Okay, lock so it. it wasn't locked. Yeah. Okay. We're definitely, I was about to roll into the Sky Valley calls. I tried to organize some of the posts by pre-Friday calls, Friday calls, Saturday calls, Sunday calls, because there are individual questions and ideas about all of those. Well, let me do this with the Sky Valley calls. Great. So so this week's episode, we're, we're, we're doing a much deeper dive analysis rather than just me reading records. I, I, I mentioned this in the pre-show with Patreon people, but too, but like, keep in mind this, this episode was not the plan. There was a lot of. There was a lot of me and Teresa trying to get documents f- formatted right for me to be able to write the episode. And it kind of it was like 7 o'clock on Thursday night, so let's just go and get the information out there. This week, I'm really going through a detailed analysis. As far as the Sky Valley, let's let's put a pin in the Sky Valley calls because I spent seven hours yesterday figuring out the Sky Valley stuff. Interesting. It, it's so much more complicated than – there's no simple solution. Um but I think that I've got a pretty good grip on what actually happened. And even though, even this is a scripted episode, the whole thing is a narrated scripted episode. You even in my script, cause I just couldn't go back and you, you still hear me in real time. Like, Oh, I think it's this and this. And then I get later. Okay. I'm like, Oh wait, no, because of this, this me, you know, so all that's going to okay. get broken down on Sunday. So let's just move past sky Valley for Great. now. If we can, that actually is super helpful because there is a lot of conversation about that. Um, so Friday, Suji says, just a small question from a foreigner from down under. Sorry if it's a silly one. It's not silly, Sue. Bob has said more than once that Jacob made a call, but he definitely was not in Costa Mesa when he made it. But have you like, can you just redefine how you know this? Is it because of cell phone tower pings? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. But so it was like, like in good, the good, su- good thought. Yeah. In the summary document, the police put, they, they put that they, they wrote in there that. Jacob said he was in Costa Mesa from Thursday on, but we know he was still in the Valley until Friday. Another document that we haven't, I, I think it might be posted. If not, we will, at some point we're going to get into it, but where they do all the tower locations. But yeah, he's hitting towers in the Valley, in the Coachella Valley, all the way up until late Friday night. And then it's, it's like, he's only in, um, he's only in Costa Mesa. Like he gets there late Friday night and he comes back Saturday. He's there for like 12 hours. Is the only time right. he's actually there, but it's but it's based on cell phone tower locations. Great, um, Teresa, Teresa of the Teresa the Wonder Woman, I should say, um, working on the cell stuff, did notice just you know kind of pointing out that on that Friday at eleven thirty, Tanya's cell calls Becky. Is Tanya the one in Japan, the one that Javi was saying Becky had to pay her cell phone bills? Like, is that the same person? No. Any thoughts on that call? Uh, no, that's Drew. I think Tanya is the one. Gosh, I could be getting this backward, but I'm pretty sure T- Tanya is the one that lives in California and is a cop. I think okay. so. Yeah, okay. I'm 90% I thought that was sure. Tiffany. No, no, no. Tiffany lived in the Valley with Chuck. Got it. Her sister it. Tiffany. Um, and Drew is in Japan and Tanya is the cop out further like north in California. I think we're going to be getting into the sister's. And their Great. interviews and stuff soon, but but that's off the top of my head. I didn't realize that question was coming, but I'm I'm pretty sure yeah, Tanya is the one 
that lives in California. Not well, Tiffany gotcha. does too, but doesn't live. She's the police officer. <laughs> That's what I'm gotcha. trying to say. Gotcha. Um, definitely some interest in Gray. Uh, you know, you called it out. You pointed it out in the episode itself. Very, very interesting to people that she was in contact with this person that mm-hmm. before now we just didn't know that she was, you know, in any kind of contact with and had heard not great things about from friends. Um, Kristen sort of asked about that, wondered if she was hanging out with him, if, you know, I mean... I we not that we know, but just sort of wondering, like, does he does he was he questioned? Does he fit into this? Is he part of the investigation? No, the, he wasn't part of the investigation. He's part of ours. But the week, the episode that's coming Sunday, kind of come, kind of stems from this this gray call. The calls to gray are what kind of prompted me to go this direction this week. And and what I mean is. Becky obviously is not around to tell her own story, but we're left with her story being told by basically Javier and Jacob as far as her life, primarily Javier. And so in my mind, Gray is this awful person, right? He's this asshole that was mean or abusive, all these, all the violent. And then I see on the call records, like throughout the week, Becky's calling Gray. And it just got me to thinking is like, we don't know that Gray is. Javier said that. That right. doesn't mean that's true. That doesn't mean that Becky thinks he's an asshole. Right. It doesn't mean that Becky thinks he's violent in that. And it just got me thinking that we need to go through and look and see. And, and the closest thing we have to Becky being able to tell her own story is the phone records. Because these are things, these are events that she was connected to that she actually did. Like we know that Becky called Gray. Instead of in, and I hope I'm I'm making sense here, but that's instead of like Javier going like, oh well, there was this old boyfriend Gray. He was an asshole. Becky hated him. He was da 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 da. Instead, we can see well. I forget what Javier said about Gray. What I know is that Becky wanted to talk to him. She made efforts to talk to him, um, right. and he's somebody that I'm probably going to try to reach out to um, to talk right. to at this point. Um, I don't remember what the what the question was. I mean, he, no, he wasn't really part of the police investigation. And it is interesting that that she was calling him. And, and yeah. there's, a, I, there's a little more about that coming on Sunday also. Oh, okay. Okay. Then I won't ask any more questions about that. Um, Ellen, just quick shout out to Ellen. Um, remembering, you know, in the episode when you talk about those early Saturday morning calls uh, saying, didn't somebody say that Becky indeed did have early morning Saturday classes? So it would make sense for all of them to kind of be heading out of the house and on down the hill. Yeah. Becky had, and I, again, that's that's all stuff I was going through this, this that'll be broken down in a much clearer fashion on Sunday. But yeah, Becky had class at COD. She had biology class. Saturday at nine in the morning. So yeah, that's why they were all headed down early. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, Bonnie had also pointed out that, you know, within Javi's uh, interview, he's the one who did say, and you're right, that he said, she, I was, she was right there and we were in my room, that the conversation with Robert happened while they were at Javi's. That's according to Javi, that he does say that happened he- when... It was he did not say, room. and so again, I've been through all this. Also, real, real quick, um, I did misspeak. Somebody in the chat said Gray was interviewed. Gray was interviewed. He Got was it. Coming. I said he wasn't part of the investigation, but I just didn't want to leave that slide. Um, as far as the, the, are we talking about Saturday or are we talking about the Thursday, what they call the Thursday night call was actually a Wednesday night call when Javi was sitting with Becky. Uh, I think the hike conversation is what Bonnie's thinking of. 
when she spoke okay, with so, Robert about going on the hike. So Javier said he thinks that was around Thursday. We know from the phone records it was technically Thursday. It was Wednesday night, one thirty in the morning on Thursday when they talked. And and what Javier said was, I was sitting right next to her. He does not say where they were. And remember, that's the night that she supposedly left her phone in Sky Valley. So we don't know where they were at. He All he says is, I was sitting right next to her when Robert called her and they talked, which was, again, Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Right. And we've also heard from a different interview that um, that both Javi and Becky spent the night at Jacob's on Wednesday night. Anyway, I'm sure you're getting into that next week, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to uh, go in the weeds on that. Um, and if any of these, again, because these are all drilling down into phone stuff that you were probably going to do analysis on on Sunday, feel free to just, you know, cut me off altogether. Tamara or Tamara, uh, just quick question, says in this episode around the 10 minute 44 second mark, Javi says he calls Denny's at 11.05 p.m. and her manager said she wasn't home. Um, he just, I think she just wanted to, she, you know, she says she understands that it's likely that Javi just misspoke, but is there anything to be gleaned from that? Like, is there anything significant about the fact that, that he says the manager says she wasn't home? I don't think so. I think it was just a misspeak. I, I've i tried to think in my mind, like, what scenario that could be. Like, well, what if Becky did call on her way down the hill and say she's going to be late? Then she's not She's not home. Still doesn't make sense because she was going home to get the shirt in that scenario. I think he just meant she's not at work. I think gotcha. Javi was – I think what we heard from Javi there, the uh, the the kind of abrasiveness and, and boldness that he had was out of character for him. And so I think there – I think he was probably pretty nervous because he was looking at a cop – and not doing what the cop wanted him to do. So it makes sense to me that he would, you know, maybe jumble up his words a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, and then that actually takes us to this question from Ellen, uh, kind of a statement, a little bit of a question. But Ellen says, I still wonder if the main reason Becky broke it off with Jacob was because she and Robert were speaking again. Even knowing he had a girlfriend, maybe she thought there was hope to rekindle the relationship. And some folks weighed in on that on Facebook as well. Okay, that is the perfect place to end on for today because this week's episode, Sunday's episode, is all about Becky's relationships through the lens of these records. So what we're going to get on Sunday is I'm going back, and and some people might think this is redundant. Everybody's got an opinion, um, but it's not for me because you know this week I read you the phone records and kind of gave you some on-the-fly analysis. I've spent dozens of hours since then really analyzing things from Becky's perspective and looking at the choices she makes and the, 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 the actions she takes, the people she calls. And we get a really good look at what her relationships were like between her and Jacob, between her and Javier, between her and Robert, her and Christian gray, mysterious John, all those things we're going to break down in this week's episode and try to get a really good look at what Becky's last week was really like from her phone records rather than what someone else is saying. So that's coming up on Sunday. And again, please make sure you check all of my social media. By the time this episode airs, we will have a GoFundMe up uh, to try to raise. If we can, if we can come up with five thousand dollars from Kenny, that would be so so freaking amazing. Um, I'm going to be putting in some of the the money from pay, from that we get from Patreon, and going to throw that in there. As many of you can donate. He has no idea that's coming, and it will make me so happy to call him and tell him that our listeners gave him $5,000 so he can get himself a car 
and and get his life back on track. So um, yeah. I'm super happy. Love all of you guys for everything that you have you have done and stuck with us, even when it's not the most fun. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of uh, of all of our labors come through. Sometimes it's a it's a long road, but we get there. So thank you all for all of your 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 love and support and engagement. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Janet. And we'll talk to you guys next week on Truth and Justice. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. For all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Barney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Feels like Friday up in here. And I say, guys, and you know when I say that, Zach, I'm only talking to Bob. We got to get this started. Hey, hey everybody. Welcome into the show. I'm Bob. That's Janet. That's Zach. Uh, the show's beginning now. Make sure you go in and smash the like button. Close out that live chat. Smash the like button and come right back on in. We're glad to have you.
welcome to the show. Let's smash that like button, everybody. Let's get those likes up to 50 today. Glad you're all joining us today. I'm here with Zach Weaver and Janet Varney. Hey, Bob. I'm going to say everything like I've just stopped laughing. (laughs) What a great show today. Anything you want to add, Zach? (laughs) Bazinga. Oh, that's funny, Bob. (laughs) Last week... Didn't work at all. <laughs> Go fuck yourself if you don't like the new sound effects. <laughs> I'm kidding. You don't need to. I appreciate your input. I can't wait to flash back to last week when it's next week. Last week on Truth and Justice. Go fuck yourself. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah. 